You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm going to guess that you're one of those losers <laughs> that has already set up their goddamn Christmas tree. <laughs> My Christmas tree's up, and it's been up for about five days. You are the bane of my existence. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Cura here with Brazilian Ty and Ty. Do you know how edgy I am? Uh, it depends. When you say edgy, do you mean like you're on edge right now, or are you talking like CM Punk Straight Edge Society? CM Punk Straight Edge Society. I'm going to guess that you're one of those losers. <laughs> that has already set up their Christmas tree. <laughs> My Christmas tree's up, and it's been up for about five days. You are the bane of my existence. <laughs> it's the playoffs. You can't quit this show now, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. Isn't that what happened exactly two years ago? Actually, when that when when I think about it, I'm actually wearing a poppy right now, so you can't hold that against me. No, I I saw a guy wearing it on his hat today, and I gave him a dirty look. Though, (laughs) it's not where it goes. It's not where it goes. It's uh, above my heart. It's it's uh, near my heart right now. But let me. Let me explain the Christmas tree thing. It probably no, wouldn't I, have been... I don't want excuses, Travis. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been set up until... I'm going to say division final weekend. <laughs> which oh, okay. probably drives you crazy anyway. But... It's still it's still too early. It, it, anything, anything before Christmas Day and anything after Christmas... Like, the end of Christmas Day, is, it's been up for too long. <laughs> so... Uh, last year, we got one of those pre-lit artificial trees, and there were some burnt-out sections on the tree and bulbs and things like that. Here's the thing. So right up your alley to fix. <laughs> if I did not fix it, there was going to be a new tree being bought. And when I saw prices on fake trees, I fixed it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And when you have to go through 500 bulbs to find out which one is the source of the problem... It is the worst. That's why I don't put up a tree. But I saved myself 300 bucks, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> but, tra- but Travis, are you telling me your time is worse le- worth less than $300? Because I don't think it is. I, wow, that, that's very nice of you to say, but I really think it's <laughs> worth a lot less than $300. <laughs> Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, we're in the playoffs, man. 
It's the best. And it's dark at 5 o'clock. Like, I can't wait. You, you can't beat that. No, it, hockey starts at 5 usually, except for tonight. There's only two games. So it's like, oh, it's 5.01. Hockey's on. My night's set. So we came out with this is perfect. <laughs> the last episode of Two and Out, and we learned late, late, late Sunday night that uh, Rick Campbell was not fired, but uh, stepped down from his position as head coach of mm-hmm. the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we had it in Monday's show, and then the Monday media blitz from both Rick Campbell and Marcel Desjardins happened. What's your reaction to the whole thing? I think the wrong guy left the team. Like, I'm sorry, but this is Rick. This is not Rick Campbell's fault. From what I've seen on Twitter, every former player has had nothing but good stuff to say about him. I don't know if I've seen that uh, much support for a head coach ever. Right, it's crazy. Uh, he was a product of what Marshall Desjardins gave him, which wasn't good. He did the best with it that he could. Uh, I get that it was a mutual parting of ways and everything, but Oseg should have probably stepped in before it became, came to this. Because if it's coming out now that guys are leaving with bad taste in their mouth and it's not because of Rick Campbell, then there's a different problem. And it's not the coaching staff. Joey Alaferi, uh out of Montreal has a new podcast called True... North football podcast, and he had Chris Milo on this week, and <laughs> Milo's got some stories about Marcel Desjardins, and it ended very sour in Ottawa. He wasn't even invited to their championship party when they won the title in in 2016. He acted he had to get his Grey Cup ring from a security guard at TD Place. I don't know if I'm it was sorry. Lewis Ward, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's embarrassing. That's sad. That's embarrassing if you're Desjardins. <laughs> he helped you win a great cup, and you're just like, no. if like, There's no way that that should have happened like that. That's embarrassing. That doesn't even happen in the NHL when guys change teams. When they're on the road, on the road trip... And they get to go in, they get to see all their old teammates, they get their ring. Sure, they're not involved in the ceremony at the start of the year, which I, I think that's a totally different thing. But they're not being invited to the party, or and you have to pick up your ring from a from a a security guard. You don't even get a, a thank you or to get to see your teammates and, and stuff like that. That's a joke. I don't know if any other uh, former Ottawa Red Blacks, I don't know if it was that extreme. Um mm-hmm. But from what I gather and from what I think Burris said this, that Desjardins not the big football guy. He's a big budgets guy, and he, he yeah. keeps things pretty tight. And that Brock Sutherland was the football guy, and he went to Edmonton, and he brought some of those uh, Red Blacks there, or a lot of those Red Blacks there. I do wonder if Campbell wanted more input in personnel decisions and maybe did have general manager aspirations that, that's a that's a possibility uh i think every coach would want to have some say in in roster composition uh you know some more than most as we see in every other league uh i don't know if he'd want to be gm and coach yeah i think that's 
that is a lot to put on somebody's plate. But I could see him wanting to move up the ranks at some point. Uh, I don't know if Ottawa would have been the best choice or not, but uh, I think if you're not trying to move up uh, at some point then you're, and you're just spinning tires, then I think you're going to become unhappy pretty quickly. His uh, his presser when he left, it was clear that he loves Ottawa. It was clear that mm. he loves the Ottawa Red Blacks, and he said the biggest thing is that he didn't like the amount of people leaving that franchise with a bad taste in their mouth. Um, their mouth, mm-hmm. and uh, in that presser, he bit his tongue a lot. <laughs> he, it's there was a lot of reading in between the lines there, but clearly yeah, he could have he could have absolutely buried guys. Yeah, I don't know how that would have gone. He was still in their building, so <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? Fire him? Yeah. <laughs> um, but one coach that was fired was Devon Claybrooks. That came out Wednesday morning. Holy man. I don't know about you. This decision reeks of David Braley to me. Micromanaging. Yep. Trying to get his fingers on everything. Focus on selling the team if that's what you want to do. That should be your main focus if you're if you're Braley at this point. Uh, this this is another one that does. I get the Rick Campbell one. I think that, that one makes more sense to me because he wanted out. And it was a mutual, or maybe he did not want it out, but he wasn't happy. And, you know, the the separation was mutual. This one makes zero sense to me. You know, you basically have a brand new coaching staff come in this year, and then you fire the head coach, and you're going to make more changes to a roster you're already overhauled in the offseason, to a coaching staff that was already overhauled in the offseason, and now you're starting all over again. I don't see why I, – I don't get how this is on Clay Brooks whatsoever. Now, I think a lot of us were kind of worried or wondered how teams would handle the non-player salary cap that each team has. Mm -hmm. Now, we've already seen Rick Campbell and Devon Claybrooks go. Uh, Campbell was under contract for next year. Claybrooks had next year and an option in 2021, so he basically only had one year left on his contract. From what I see here is that teams sort of get... uh, a mulligan Exemption. anyway, and an, an opportunity to sort of spread out that salary over five years. So for both Claybrook mm-hmm. and Campbell, it's really just a drop in the bucket um, f- as far as money goes. It's not really going to handcuff them all too much. And Ed Hervey has already asked for permission to talk to Rick Campbell. No hirings can be made until... After the Grey Cup, he has all, all, all already said that he wants to have a bigger hand in the selection of the next coach's assistants. Thankfully, in BC, everyone's contract is actually up at the end of the year. So they basically get a clean slate again. But what coach would want to go into that situation right now? Um, I think I, I don't know. If you're going to be a coach or a, a position coach or a coordinator, if turning down jobs is your best bet, I, 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 I'm guessing people will probably look at the opportunity and be like, not the greatest opportunity, but it might be the only opportunity. I guess I think if you're a guy like right? Rick Campbell, you probably get Toronto, Winnipeg, if, BC. If, if, if every team, if Edmonton. every team is not calling Rick Campbell, they're not doing their job. Most people will be. 
They have to. They have to. Everybody's got Edmonton circled, but I'm yeah. not so sure. I think BC and Winnipeg are going to make some real intriguing pushes to get him. Well, if he goes to Winnipeg, then is La Police done there too? Is he going to be tired of being second fiddle? Like, if he, like, it's just going to take one one decision. Like the Rick Campbell decision is going to cause a lot of other dominoes, and it's going to be really fun in the off season. And for those of you playing the drinking game, it will be the coaching carousel again. But I, I still don't see how he doesn't go to Edmonton. Winnipeg might need to just clean house altogether. I'm pretty sure that Richie Hall is going to be gone. Um, Mm -hmm. Mike O'Shea, there's been rumors that he's turned down numerous offers to stay in Winnipeg. Uh, Which he said he never did. But why would he? They got a playoff game. Why would he admit to that? (laughs) So what you're saying is that Winnipeg hasn't offered you a contract then? (laughs) There might be that. Um, a name that's really intriguing, I think, is Tommy Condell, who is in Hamilton right now. And I mm-hmm. think that that's going to be an intriguing name to watch this season. And the Argos are uh, evaluating things as we speak. I guess it was <laughs> yesterday, Pinball Clemens had a talk with everybody, interviewed everybody. I can't see Chamberlain having the job for next year either. It, it's going to no. be another fun off season, I think. Yeah, I mean, the free agency isn't quite what it was, uh, but with, with the coaching changes, we could see a lot of teams are going to have new looks, uh, you know, and, and, well, maybe not new looks, but, like, just sty- stylistically will be a little different, uh, and maybe like, and there's going to be teams that need to turn turn stuff around, like, Toronto goes through this again. Yeah, uh, I don't think you can fire the coach again. So I don't. But like, change. There needs to be a lot of changes in Toronto. Uh, BC obviously needs changes. Like every team that missed the playoffs, something has to change. And if it's the coach, then yeah, I get it. It's a scapegoat. Uh, I don't believe that Devon Claybrook should have been fired. Uh, but you know, co- coaches are always the first to go, and. They always seem to be the storyline that they'll make the biggest impact when they do show up to a new team. So we'll see what happens. The division all-stars have been announced here. I think the surprising one, and I hate to talk about it again, but is Andrew Harris. Because the Winnipeg voters shut him out of the Mm -hmm. team nominee for most outstanding Canadian and or most outstanding player. But then the rest of the Western voters thought he deserved an all-star nod. This is why the league needs to have a rule next year, because it's not the media voters' job to decide whether he should be in for an award or not. Clearly, his performance shows that he should be an all-star and should be up for Winnipeg's most outstanding Canadian. But now this just Mm -hmm. makes it, it blurs the line. Yeah, I... I don't know how else you like. I don't think the league should be deciding who from each team. I think there still has to be a vote. I don't think it should be the media members. I think it should be the guys in the room. Okay. Right? Same way you pick a captain, it's usually a team vote to some extent. Why not let the players vote on who your nominees are? You don't have to do it publicly, give each guy a ballot. They, they write their guys in, boom, there you go. 
the CFLPA does do their all-star uh, rosters every year, so that'll be interesting yes. to see. If, but uh, I mean, I mean, for the for the awards, like you said, you don't you don't want it in the media members' hands. Well, I, I don't see any other option other than to give it to the players, and I don't know how much it would change if you did. Other than maybe Andrew Harris getting the nod. I think another thing I on special teams, I think I'd like to see them separate cover guys and returners. Oh, one hundred percent. It should be punt punt slash kick returner and then your special so like a guy like Mike Miller, absolutely he should be the special teams representative. Right. But why can't there be a returner in there so that like you get both, so you're picking offensive defense. There's two separate sides to a special teams unit. I don't see why you can't pick one from each. Yeah, on the other side of things, Frank Beltre in Toronto. He had a hell of a year on uh, mm-hmm. covers, but Frankie Williams gets the uh, returning nod. And hey, he had a great year too. So there's there's no doubting that. As far as yeah. uh, awards night, it's going to happen two weeks from today in Calgary at the Grey Cup. It looks like it's going to be Cody Fajardo, the West nominee for Most Outstanding Player, and Brandon Banks, the Eastern nominee for Most Outstanding Player. The rest of the nominees will be announced later today who's your pick ah uh, banks okay so we're not gonna argue <laughs> I, uh, brandon banks is just uh unbelievable it's ridiculous yeah he it's is. ridiculous i i think he's the mop let's let's talk about the eastern semi-final here the edmonton eskimos are going to montreal these two teams split the season series there and this is going to be a really interesting game here. Would you agree that the Eskimos on paper are more talented? Yes. Me too. But there's there's some sort of factor that but the Alouettes have, and I think it's Kahari Jones. The game isn't played on paper. It's played by little men on our TV sets. Yeah. <laughs> And they all change in size depending on the size of your screen, right? <laughs> well, I mean, when I'm at home, they're basically life size. When I'm on the road, yeah. I mean, they're your like projector. ants. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, I think the Kahari Jones is a huge factor on that Montreal team. Uh, and I, I've said it before, and it sounds like a broken record, but guys will run through a wall for him. Yeah, uh, they will. You don't, you, don't, you don't get that with every coach. If Jason Moss is my coach, I'm benching myself at this point. <laughs> Right? Like, do I really want to play for this guy right now? Uh, but yeah, Kahari, Kahari Jones could get me to try catch up. The Eskimos. <laughs> what about Poutine? <laughs> oh, that'd be a tough sell, but I think he could. <laughs> Man, I, I, I might even think him. about liking Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is just getting worse by the everything you say. Um, yep. Sounds about right. <laughs> the Eskimos are five and three against the East, and the Alouettes are five and five against the Western Division. I think one of the big differences here is that the Owls are six and three at home, while the Esks are three and six on the road. That has not been mm-hmm. a source of strength for Edmonton. No, and. and- it's, even at home, they haven't exactly been world beaters either. Uh, with the additions that they brought in through free agency in the off season, it seemed like they were going to go fifteen and three, th- throw for six thousand yards. Like this was going to be a juggernaut of an offense, and it just never seemed to gel. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it, I don't want to say it was disappointing. It, it wasn't what we all expected or kind of what we thought would happen. Uh, that being said, the discipline has really – I think the discipline has more to do with it than anything else. Well, lack thereof. we look at the penalty yards for both teams. The Eskimos had 197 penalties for over 1,600 yards, both uh, last place in the CFL. The Owls mm-hmm. they had 162 penalties for under 1,400 yards. They're middle of the pack as far as penalties go in, in the CFL. I mean, it feels like something we've been talking about for about three years with the Eskimos team, so I don't see why it would change now. No, and those three years, um, I don't know if I can do math properly, but how long has Jason Moss been the coach? Well, since Jones went to Saskatchewan in 2016. 16, so I wonder if there's a correlation there. <laughs> Just a hunch. <laughs> the Alouettes are second in rushing in the entire CFL. I bet you know who's number one, but the Owls have 2,236 yards. And the top two rushers in the East, William Standback and Jeremiah Johnson. Is that good? <laughs> it's going to be an interesting matchup with Edmonton's mm-hmm. front seven. They're actually middle of the pack against the rush. But now with Larry Dean and Sewell in the middle, they have experience in the playoffs. That's something that mm-hmm. the Alouettes do not have. Oh, for sure. And, you know, people like to look at it and even the players say, yeah, you just got to treat it like another game. Uh, but it's it's do it's do or die. It's it's win or go home. Uh, it is a different element. And like you said, the experience in playoffs, no matter what sport, uh, just becomes an intangible. The Alouettes do not have a sack against Edmonton in two games. Uh, the opposing quarterbacks... Um, against the Montreal secondary have a 73.6 completion percentage, but the difference is Vernon Adams and the plays he can make. Um, Mm -hmm. He has a 108.1 passer rating in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Oh, it's in the fourth quarter? Yes. Holy crap. So if the game's close, going into the fourth quarter... (laughs) That's yeah. Vernon Adams' time. It's his first ever playoff start. If that gets into his head, that's going to be tough. But he and the Owls are a second-half team. I think I think the game against Winnipeg definitely proved that. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. And against Calgary. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. They did it all year. Yeah. For 100%. And, you know, at home... They don't possess like they the, the time of possession is like on average they average twenty nine minutes forty four seconds so they split possession at home basically but like you said that second half uh, it's I don't know what it is but they're just able to turn it on. As for Edmonton's practice updates so far this week, CJ Gable has returned to practice. And it looks like he is going to be their starting running back on Sunday. I think the big question is, can the Eskimos get Cooper and Gable onto the roster? I think that would make a great tandem for that offense. I think it would. I also read that they want Trayvon Van on the roster. Yeah, there's going to be a crunch because the Christian so, Jones yeah. loss at returner is massive. 
Yeah, so it all depends on what the numbers are looking like. But if they can get Cooper and Gable, uh, we haven't seen Gable be the monster that you know we we thought he would be. Yeah, he's he's had some really good games, but they just kind of went away from him. They have, uh, yeah. And I, I don't I don't know if it was to preserve him for playoffs or not. But if they can get him and Cooper, uh, then they can just kind of you know, spell them off and, and just run with them whenever they need to and not have to worry about stuff like that. So it would be a great thing if they could do that. I don't know if the numbers will work out. You did mention Trayvon Van. The Eskimos have actually made a number of signings this week, including defensive lineman Jake Ceresna, who has spent time with Edmonton but was most recently in the NFL with the New York Giants. I think that he's actually... Right now he's e- only on the practice roster so he needs to sign in order to get on the active roster, if I read the article correctly. And I think that he's actually an XFL draft pick, but it looks like he's leaning towards coming to the CFL. It's more of a sure thing for him. Um, jo- job security. Yeah, they've also brought in Josiah St. John, a uh, former number one pick for the Riders uh, on the offensive line, and Trayvon Van and Jamil Smith, who did spend time in Edmonton as a kick returner. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Van did as well, and they could actually both play this week. The Eskimos just need some sort of return game going because it hasn't happened for seven years. No. <laughs> yeah, that's... I think that's a pretty safe, pretty safe estimate. Um, for Montreal, it looks like Tommy Campbell is going to be good to go, as well as Siante Evans. Uh, Evans actually came back last week. He broke his hand in practice a few weeks ago, cool. but he's going to be playing. Bo Lacombo left the game against Ottawa last week. It looks like he's going to be good to go. Ryan Carter may be able to return to play cornerback off of the six-game injured list. And... The Owls have actually brought in Gabriel Napton to the practice roster, who at times looked like he was an absolute mm-hmm. monster for the Alouettes. And his best years were in Montreal. When he went to BC, he really wasn't able to produce at all. And this brings depth to the defensive line in Montreal, because yeah. if there is a weakness on that team, it is getting to the quarterback. And, and and you said it. They haven't. They don't have a sack against Edmonton this year. Uh, you know, and you have to be able to get pressure and, and get sacks on the quarterback uh, to disrupt game plans. Uh, and you know, yeah, John Bowman is still. I don't know how John Bowman is still doing this. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I TB twelve method. I don't get. I don't know. He's their best uh, D like lineman. Said, yeah, and it, that, that. And I'm not. I'm not harping on John Bowman at all, but. There's no if he is your best defensive lineman, then that is a weakness on your team, one hundred percent. Now he is damn he is damn good. Like we are like like we've talked about, we are in the era right now where we're watching defensive linemen and especially defensive ends. The defensive ends right now in the league are they're like, it's just it's so fun to watch. Uh, but at his age, there's no way that he should be the best one on your team. Yeah, I mean he. He's looked great this year. At times, he, mm-hmm. he's looked like their fastest D lineman. But eight sacks yeah. at thirty-seven years old, you can't you can't fault the guy for what he's done. He's he's had great performance. No, I, oh, I'm not I'm not faulting. No, him I know you're I'm faulting, not. But the, I'm faulting the, management, right? Like the line as a whole. Yeah, it, it, granted, it has worked, 
they are in the playoffs. They are hosting yeah. a playoff game, like I said they would in May. But you know it, that is a weakness. Like you said, bringing Gabe Knapton will help. Will add depth, and they need to disrupt Trevor Harris. They need to. They need to get to him. If they can't sack him, I don't. I don't think sacks are going to be the biggest stat you're going to be looking for on a defensive line, especially against Trevor Harris. He gets rid of the ball so fast. Yeah. Like guys aren't even looking when he throws the ball, right? He's just he knows the offense so well, especially with Greg Allenson. He's not even he's, he throws the ball as he's getting into his cut, turns around, the ball is there. Hits and pressures are going to be the biggest factor. If you can make him uncomfortable and start and get him to start making mistakes and maybe holding onto the ball a little bit longer, then the sacks will come. Devere Posey is questionable this week, so the Owls lose some Grey Cup experience there. We remember the play he made uh, against Calgary in the Ottawa Grey Cup. Um, He had a great run to wrap up that season, so the Owls' offense is going to miss Devere Posey. I think that there are some fascinating uh, matchups here. Um, when you look at Trevor Harris versus the Alouette secondary, that is going to be very, very key that's because a, that's a strength on strength for me. You know what? As I long th- as long as Campbell and Seante Evans are Tommy Campbell and Seante Evans, if Seante Evans is, is good to go, like I, those those two guys, I, th- I think I think the secondary in Montreal gets overlooked. I think Harris can tear them apart. I think Harris can tear any secondary in this league apart. And especially if they can't get to him. That's the thing. It starts with the defensive line, right? Yeah. They have to be able to get there. But, I, I mean, we've seen Campbell and Evans be playmakers. Uh, I mean, the secondary would be better with arguably the best player in the Canadian Football League on it still. But he's hurt, so that's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you caught that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big question, though, is how how's Harris's arm? Well, I guess we'll see. We know it's going to be sore. It's going to be inf- there. Be something inflamed. Uh, I, I still think surgery. I, th- I still I still full heartedly believe that he's getting surgery in the off season. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be at a hundred percent. But I think it's just going to be playing through pain and and just. You know, get get his get the ball to playmakers and hope for the best. You know, a few weeks ago, I thought that the Montreal was going to walk all over Edmonton, but now so did I. I'm not so sure. The Owls, though, are one and a half point favorites coming into the Eastern semifinal. Uh, <laughs> one one thing I will say: Montreal on offense, they have scored seventy five point two percent of the points that they should be scoring in the red zone. Like, so considering every trip to the red zone should be a touchdown. Yeah. 75.2%. They've gotten 75.2% of those points. They have allowed 78.3% of those points. Okay. What about uh, Edmonton? Because the red zone production has been a struggle. 59.7%. Wow. And they've allowed 64 so I mean that that'll be the one the one thing if Edmonton gets into the red zone they have to finish drives because if Montreal gets into the red zone they are more than likely going to be scoring a lot of points. 
This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In the province of Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. Park Power has a low overhead, and chances are you'll save money if you switch. You can actually find out how much money you can save by going to the website, parkpower.ca, and plugging your numbers into the Alberta Energy Savings Calculator if you decide to switch. Nothing changes about your service, only the price you pay. It's super easy. I learned it when I made the switch because it's illegal to have uh, companies charging you uh, two power bills at the same time. So it takes care of itself. Learn more and make the switch today at parkpower.ca. The Western semifinal is going to be another one of those slugfests here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are in Calgary. The Bombers won the season series here. Two out of three games, but the Stamps outscored the Bombers 89-88. Uh, it just shows how close these teams are this week. The Stamps have an 8-2 and record inside the division, while the Bombers have a 7-3 and record inside the division. But again, the Stamps are 7-2 and at home, the Bombers 3-6 and on the road, and Bo Levi Mitchell has never lost a playoff start at McMahon Stadium. It is going to be so a tall that, task for good? Winnipeg. It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> He's also never started a game at McMahon that's going to have this crappy of weather probably. You know what? And that is pretty – that's a pretty good point. And because if, if we know anything about the Stampeders is that they're a fair weather team. Things could change, but at this moment – Sunday has a high of minus 12 with snow expected all day long. The very mm-hmm. next day, it's 5 degrees, and then Tuesday is 12. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's typical Alberta The in Chinook November. could shift to coming a little bit earlier, but right now, Sunday looks crap, and that, to me, is the X factor and mm-hmm. if it is crap, it's advantage Winnipeg. Oh, one hundred percent. Best Russian team in the league. Uh, you know, averaging one hundred and forty. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. They're averaging one hundred and fifty-seven point seven yards a game Jeez. on the ground. <laughs> now, granted, does help having you know basically two running backs with Kalaros there. Yeah, uh, or Strevler. But I mean, you still got. Still, or with Traveler, sorry, but you still have to make the stops, right? You still uh, have to do that, and I mean that that just chews up clock. They're averaging thirty-two, or sorry, there's one hundred fifty-seven point seven rush yards per game on the road, Whew. right? And they're they're averaging over thirty-two minutes of possession on the road. The red zone is right around seventy point nine percent. The turnovers aren't the greatest, but twenty-one first downs. Converting second downs at almost a 50% clip. Like, if it's crappy out and they want to run the ball, it's going to work. Uh, Calgary is ninth in rushing. Ninth. They are last. So adverse weather conditions is not going to bode well for that offense. 
And you know what? You say that sometimes running the ball is like body punches, and then by the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. the championship rounds, that's when you break through. And the running game hurts so much more when it's minus 10. <laughs> it's like Canelo in December of last year. He won a TKO with body punches. Yep. And that's what the Bombers are going to do. They're going to run at you with Nick Dembski, with Chris Strebler, with Andrew Harris. Nick Dembski does not scare me because he's, like, what, three feet tall? Yeah, but, but he can give the other guys a break. <laughs> he's valuable. But he can give the other guys a break. And, but Andrew Harris and Strebler scare the bejesus out of me. And, like, hell, I'd be getting in front of them, especially if it's minus 12. You know, Edmonton and Montreal, a lot of their stats have them in the middle of the pack, but there's some big discrepancies here. Like you said, Mm -hmm. Winnipeg, the best rushing team in the league. Calgary, the worst. We have, and I know Don Jackson was their guy last year, but we're coming out of an era where the Stampeders had Jerome Messam, John Cornish, Joffrey Reynolds, they've always had a running back that could just crush mm-hmm. you. But this year, they haven't been and able a, to and get a ratio it buster at, And a ratio buster to boot. They have had that as well. It's been, it's been massive. But not only do the Bombers have the best rushing offense in the league, they have the best rushing defense in the league. Just over mm-hmm. 1,100 yards given up on the ground? Are you kidding me? That is ridiculous it's stupid uh, and on the road <laughs> on the road they allow 60.2 per game like so, it's a I fair mean, over under like 40 and a half rushing yards for the stampeders i think it's gonna be over just on sheer volume of carries they should they they have to and if they don't get it at going the same time at the same at the same time if they can't get it going they're gonna be throwing the ball a lot and Bo Mitchell has lit up the Winnipeg se- secondary in the last few games. In his past five starts against mm-hmm. Winnipeg, his passer rating, 115. Oh, 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 oh man. The guy that from- is re- that, that's <laughs> stupid good. The guy from Katy, Texas, the minus 12. We'll see if he's uh, used to playing in this just yet mm-hmm. in this one. Um, both well, he teams, looked okay at Grey Cup, but... It wasn't that cold in Edmonton. No, the field was just a sheet of ice, I guess. Yeah, the, the days before were colder than actual game day. Yeah, it was much, the Much field like Grey Cup in Regina. Much like Grey Cup in Regina, minus 40 with no jacket on the Saturday night. <laughs> minus 2 come game time on Sunday. That's probably going to happen again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, more than likely. And am I going to take a jacket? No. <laughs> All you need is some whiskey and you'll be good, buddy, right? I don't I don't drink anymore. Oh, you quit. No, I, I don't drink any less. Oh. <laughs> you meant any more as I, in any more than normal. <laughs> I get you every time on that, and it never gets old. It's like Winnipeg not having an airport. That joke will never not be funny. (laughs) 
Both of these teams make you pay if you turn the ball mm-hmm. over. Calgary's got the best turnover ratio in the league, plus 15, and Winnipeg is fourth, plus seven. But both of these teams are second and third when it comes to points off of turnovers. Calgary second with 113, and Winnipeg third with 99. And for penalties... Both teams here, the cleanest in the CFL. Winnipeg, 128 of them. They've actually only have seven more penalty yards than rushing yards they've given up this year. (laughs) And Calgary is uh, second at 146 for over 1,300 yards. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a game where if you make a mistake, you're going to get punished. Yes. Uh, And, you know, we talk about taking care of the football and how it's a very big part of winning football games. Uh, whatever I think whatever team takes care of the football this this week is, is going to win this football game. I just don't see how you, you're not going to turn the ball over five times and win like Hamilton did. You can't, you can't no. do, last week. You can't do that against these two teams. Uh, you know, you can make a mistake, uh, but you have, you have to have an answer. If they're going to put points on the board, you have to answer that. Uh, and you know protect the ball at all costs. Uh, we we saw it in the Grey Cup in in Ottawa. That Cal, uh, you know not protecting the ball cost them a Grey Cup. C- could be argued that that cost them a Grey Cup. Uh, I think we're going to see, especially guys like Andrew Harris and you know who's ever running the ball for Calgary, whether it be Don Jackson or Terry Williams or if Milanovic leader gets in there, whoever. It's going to be two hands on the football. Uh, and you know, protect it at all costs. Go to the ground with it, keep it, uh, and, and don't give it up because you can't afford to put yourself behind the eight ball in this game. Calgary has won 16 of their past 21 games against Winnipeg since 2011, and the average margin of victory between these two teams this, this season is 2.3. <laughs> this, oh, <laughs> I can't see this game being a blowout for no. either side. All right, let's talk about Winnipeg. Uh, their practices so far this week. Zach Kalaros was working with the ones. Not too much of a surprise there. Chris Trevler was back participating, but he's definitely not 100% healthy. He sort of said if the playoff game was today, I don't think I could play. It's the most he has played since or practice or done anything since the injury happened. I think it was October 18th. Linebacker Jesse Briggs was seen at practice for the first time in months, but Anthony Gator was not practicing. And then an injury on the offensive line for Winnipeg was starting center. Michael Couture was not practicing, and he actually hasn't for two weeks now, but they've got depth there. Cody Speller could start at center. No. Calgary practice has been crazy because I know there was a lot of worry going into the game against BC with how beat up they were. But Trey Roberson, Deshaun Amos, Royce Meshi, Mechie, uh, Corey Greenwood, all back at practice. But the surprising name, Kamar Jordan. No, come off it. I do not believe you. Not lying. <laughs> hmm. Danny Austin, your source on Twitter? Yes. Then I believe you. <laughs> I'm not just making it up. <laughs> well, I got to check. I got to make sure. Like, I'm going to do my due diligence. And if you lied, I'm going to call you out on Twitter. <laughs> 
That is big because Eric Rodgers mm-hmm. was not practicing. We saw how the receiving core handled that last week, and Cordero Law wasn't practicing. And Fraser Sopic, by the way, one of my favorite players to watch this year. I know he's a rookie and mostly plays special teams. He had a big blocked punt, or did he block two this year? Uh, but he's out for the rest of the playoffs with a broken leg. So that is sad to see. But Kamar Jordan where we kind of thought this guy wasn't going to play at all. I don't know if, and I don't think this means he's going to be in the lineup for the West semifinal, but West final and Grey Cup, there is a chance (laughs) that we see Kamar Jordan on the field, and if they have Rodgers, Jordan, and Bagleton all healthy at the same time, look out. You do realize that since I had Winnipeg pegged as winning this game, you know, whether... (laughs) Uh, and all that stuff and just the numbers. The more and more we talk about what's going on in practice, the more and more I'm probably picking Calgary. Ooh. <laughs> so if all these guys are healthy and Kamar Jordan, let's say Kamar Jordan plays. That is a huge get. It is. Right? It's, it's huge, like the other guys addition. signing guys, you know? You know what I think is going to be the underrated uh, thing that happens with Winnipeg? Is if Michael Couture doesn't play. You do, eh? Because how did because how did missing your starting center work out for the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl? Well, that is such a huge underappreciated part of an offense is the exchange from center to quarterback. I think Speller. I think he could be. I don't think he's going to be much of a drop off. I guess. I just say I'm just saying the chemistry is right. I, I don't think the blocking is all. It's it's the exchange. From, from center to quarterback. That's going to make a huge... You know, it doesn't take much for that to, to get screwed up. Uh, and I, I'm sure if Speller is playing, that that has been... They have been practicing that exchange like, an unprecedented number of times just to make sure they've got it. But I still I still think it's an underappreciated fact, part, sorry, of any offense. And I, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but... The center and the quarterback touch the ball on every play. Yeah, they do. They're important. So I think, you know, it, it, it's a huge part of the game. Uh, that being said, maybe maybe it doesn't have any effect. But I, I think that you can't overlook it just yet. Who do you think the Riders want to play? Ooh, Winnipeg. I think they match up better against Winnipeg. Not only that, but you know they they're they're not worried about Winnipeg if Winnipeg's got to come into Regina because you know Labor Day they beat them. Sure, it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, I think you've been burned by Calgary enough where you just I would rather play Winnipeg at this point. Fajardo hasn't proven he lineup. can beat uh, Calgary. Yeah, uh, and I just think I, I, like how many times have we got to watch Calgary in the playoffs beat teams not handily but like to the point where it's just it gets old it's like it's stampeder fatigue uh, i would just rather see winnipeg come in just for my own uh sense of comfort you know what I, I read some quotes from pinball clemens this week and he said we want to be boring and i think what he means by that is that be the stampede run the ball on first Run the ball on first down, convert second downs, score points. It doesn't have to be flashy. It's it's like it's like Bull Durham. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. 
right? It, it's not that it's not that hard of a concept. <laughs> Granted, the the plays and everything are complicated as all hell. <laughs> but if you're not gonna if you can't catch the football or run the football, you're not going to be able to do much. But I mean, uh, be the Stampeders in the way that yeah. well, we knew that Dave Dickinson was going to be the coach. He did. They they have the same coaching staff. It seems mm-hmm. year after year, the continuity is always there. They never Stability. go into free agency and sign the big free agent splash. Well, because they don't need to. Because those guys, the the guys that would be the big splash, they resign. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because they like to play in that system and they like to win. Yep. Well, and and winning is a huge part. Yeah, it's the biggest part. <laughs> well, and I, I, I liken it to college football. There's no draft. No. Nope. It, it's straight up. You're straight up recruiting. Same as in the AJHL. We see it. Teams that win get the best recruits because they have the best chance to win and get scouted and, and move on to a bigger program, whether it be to a a a tier one junior team or to the NCAA or to Canadian college. And, you know, it just, it attracts winning begets winning, right? Just like if a team, a losing team is really hard to turn around because it gets in there and guys don't want, don't want to go there. Now, granted money does change things in professional sports, but if a team is winning, guys will take less. We saw with Jason Spezza take the league minimum to go play for the Leafs. Well, that it was happens stupid. all the time. <laughs> well, now, hey, he's getting he's getting the league minimum to sit in the press box and eat popcorn. It sounds like the dream. Okay, I'd take that. <laughs> yeah. So I figured you would. <laughs> Let me. Dave Dickinson took over as the coach of the Calgary Stampeders in 2016. Mm-hmm. That year, they lost in the Grey Cup. 2017. Mm-hmm. They lost in the mm-hmm. Grey Cup. 2018, mm-hmm. they won the they Grey Cup. Cup. He's never not so the, coached in the Grey Cup as a head coach. Yeah. That changes this year. It changes this year, hey? Yep. Saskatchewan, Hamilton, done deal. That's your pick. Yeah. I'm saying it now because it's not going to be a secret. Like I, I think, especially if, God forbid, Calgary loses this weekend. Which I think is completely uh, possible. This isn't, you know, they're they're not the Calgary that we've seen. There's some chinks in the armor. Um, but if if Calgary loses this weekend, I think I I don't think it's going to be any secret that people are going to be picking a Hamilton Saskatchewan Grey Cup. I don't think that Cody Fajardo's healthy. Well, no, God no. And that that's the thing if he. If he gets hurt in that West semi in that West final, then that the season's over. Okay, let's do pick him right now. Then, oh man, this isn't fair. So Montreal, uh, Winnipeg. I think I'm taking Edmonton and Calgary. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why do you do this to me, man? I. Oh. I look with at, the caveat that if with the caveat about the center for for Winnipeg. Okay, I I look at Edmonton, and I just look at everything, and as long as Harris can get through a game, I think they can go light up Montreal. 
They're not going to be able to get to him. And for Calgary, ah, it's <laughs> it's just hard for me to pick against them. Although the minus twelve weather, the great equalizer, mm-hmm. that that might make me switch my pick to Winnipeg. But I I'm not convinced that the uh, Zach Caleros. I got. I do have something that'll make your pick stay with Calgary, though. Okay, what is it? So on the road, Winnipeg averages 25.7 points a game, 202.6 passing yards per game. <laughs> At home, Calgary, 28.8 and 290. Whew. Well, they need to pass it because they can't run. Yes. <laughs> so the, the secondary could get quite the workout for Winnipeg. But, I mean, Calgary puts up the points at home. Like, you look at Montreal-Edmonton, they're separated by .2 points on the road and at home. And, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just think – I. that being said, though, I, I still think Winnipeg is going to be able to control the ball a lot better than Calgary and, and just – they're going to make it so – they're going to take the ball out of Bo's hands. Yeah, that's the best uh, defenses they can play, time of yeah. possession. Yeah. Um. I'll be quietly cheering for Montreal because my wife is an Eskimo fan. And I, I just, not because I hate Edmonton or anything, but because a Montreal-Hamilton East final is a lot uh, sexier to me than uh, Edmonton-Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Edmonton-Hamilton, like, sweet. Let's watch Edmonton get blown out by 30 because they can't defend the pass and they can't be, like... Money Hunter is going to give up either 200 yards receiving or three passing interference penalties or an objectionable <laughs> conduct. So what are we talking about here? Okay, the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge playoffs are happening during the real-life playoffs. I have Safamod from Piffle's Podcast. You have Brian from BC Lions Den. It's quick and easy. What's your lineup looking like? I'm going with Vernon Adams Jr., which shouldn't be a big surprise because, I mean, I think he is – it's either going to be him or Trevor Harris – uh, but I, I like the rushing yards. Andrew Harris, uh, Eugene Lewis, Mario Alford, and I'm going no defense this week. I got Vernon Adams Jr., C.J. Gable, Jake Winicky, the touchdown machine, Josh mm-hmm. Huff, and the Calgary Stampeder defense. Now, I didn't read the rules entirely when we signed up for this thing, um, which, I mean, is normal. I'm in an NFL fantasy league. I didn't know it was two-quarterback league until, like, round 13. <laughs> Which you drafted for me. Um, <laughs> but do we reseed after round one? I actually have no clue. I, I'd because, love to like, play you in the I'm final. Fourth. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. If we play in the final, will you pick the same lineup as me? I think I'd be stupid not to. <laughs> All right, let's get or, there. <laughs> or or pick the exact opposite. <laughs> Yes, y'all go all east and you go all west or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if we're, I'll just touch on all four quarterbacks kind of for fantasy and then kind of just like the top two from each team because, I mean, it's pretty pretty slim pickings this week. I mean, our, our, our uh, salary went down to 30000 We only have to fill five spots. Uh, so as for Trevor Harris against Montreal, 19.2 uh, in 11 games started – Bo Levi Mitchell, 16, no, sorry, that's the wrong one, 20.5 in his 14 games. Uh, Zach Claros, who I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole <laughs> in this game, has 14.8 uh, in eight starts. And as for Vernon Adams Jr., 
against Edmonton, 22.5 in two starts. So, I mean, the numbers, everybody but Claros, I mean, it's not too terribly, there's not a lot of discrepancy there. And, I mean, it's playoffs. Anything can really happen. Uh, Shaq Cooper's only played one game against Montreal. Don't know if he's going to get in the lineup. Uh, but C.J. Gable, 14.7. Greg Ellenson, 12.2. Uh, as for Calgary, Hergie Mayala at 16.4. And Reggie Bagleton at 16.3. You find Terry Williams all the way down at 6.8. Uh, and he would be the first running back on the list. So I would not be picking anybody uh, that runs the ball for Calgary. Uh, when it comes to Winnipeg, Darwin Adams at 15.7, Drew Wolitarski at 15, Andrew Harris, 26 games against Calgary in his career, averaging 13.4 points. That's a lot of games. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of games. Not quite the numbers that you would expect from Andrew Harris, I mean, as the league's leading rusher and everything, uh, but still pretty respectable. And then as for Montreal, Jeremiah Johnson at 13.2, Devere Posey if he plays 12.1, William Stanback at 11.3. I mean, when you have the two guys that are leading the East uh, in rushing, you expect them to be at the top. And then, of course, Eugene Lewis, who would probably arguably be the number one target right now for Vernon Adams Jr., would be 10.7. We are a part of the, the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I want to point you in the direction of the podcast Modern Manhood. It's hosted by Herman Vijegas, and it's a really fascinating con or uh, podcast, having some really hard conversations, but conversations that need to be had because he says the biggest problem we have as males is that we don't talk about our experiences, our problems, uh, about our own manu- manhood, and that being a man now looks a lot different than it used to be or that we think mm-hmm. it is. So check out Modern Manhood a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. It's under social issues. And check out all the other great shows a part of the network. If you do need any tickets for semifinal Sunday in the CFL, go to seatgiant.ca. Use the promo code APN. You're going to save yourself uh, 5% and support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process. It's all in Canadian dollars. You can buy concert tickets there, hockey tickets there. Yes, CFL tickets. Seatgiant.ca. CA promo code APN and I gotta say Monday is Remembrance Day in Canada if you can go out to a service I encourage you to do that Uh, wear a poppy I'm wearing one right now and I want to alert you of a really cool thing going on. A co-worker of mine is a musician. They wrote a song called Valor and Pride. Um, and all the proceeds from this song benefit Alberta veterans and first responders. You can find the song on Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon Music. And, uh, yeah, the proceeds are from the song sales this year are going to the veteran-founded Canadian charity called Can Praxis. So check out Valor and Pride, wear a poppy, go to a Remembrance Day service this year, and, of course, enjoy semifinal Sunday in the season. CFL, Brazilian tie. There are going to be some good ones. It's playoff time, baby. And I don't have to watch football alone on Sunday. Where are you going to be? What's going on? Andrew for the Empire Podcast. Happy belated uh, unfortunately, birthday. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, his son lost their, uh, I believe it was league finals or it would have been provincial semis or something. They lost, so they are not going to provincials this week or this upcoming week, but 
Uh, he has a birthday to attend up here in Grand Prairie, so we're going to go out and watch the Eskimos lose to Montreal. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're going to watch the game. We're going to watch the game. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to it out on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google, Spotify, uh, basically everywhere you'll find our ugly mugs. But awesome voices, I will add. And mom is in for the live show, so that should be fun. I cannot wait for 2 and Out Live November 21st in Calgary. We'll talk to you late Sunday night to talk about Semifinal Sunday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.